getting ready for my message yesterday because I've only been thinking about VBS all week. And uh, I just was, I just sense that uh, the Lord is ready to mess us up. So is everybody good with that? You're like, I don't know if I should say yes or not, but... um, so this is, this is what I saw, because I was like, okay, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm getting like all this stuff. What are, what are you really wanting to do? What are you wanting to say? And I, I saw this picture. I'm going to need that. Yeah. I went ahead and, um, you know, I, I, will con- I will go upstairs personally and confess to the children that I forgot my Bible today. Because when they come up to my class and tell me they forgot their Bible I pretty much tell them there's absolutely no excuse for ever forgetting your Bible, that you should never forget your Bible anywhere. Now, I do have my Bible in my iPad, but I forgot my Bible. So I'm going to confess that to the children later. Um, But uh, what I saw a picture of the Lord doing is how many of you, you don't see him around as much as we used to. Have you seen the locusts in Midland? Have you seen a locust? And have you seen, like, in the summertime, I haven't seen it for a long time, but in the summertime, they they come out of the ground and they shed their little shells and then they leave them hanging everywhere. Have you seen these? Have you seen this before? And they, like, have claws and it looks like this creepy thing. You, You have a really disgusting look on your face. Okay, now, when Austin and I first moved to Midland, we'd never seen this. Now, these are the kind of kids that we were, okay? Um... I would go ahead and pick them all off the fence and decorate Austin's shirt with them because they had those little claws and they just stick right on the cotton on your shirt, you know. So we'd see how many we could get. And we have these awesome pictures, um, but they're not digital. So I would have had to go to my mom's house and dug through the scrapbooks and scanned it in. And, uh, but you would have really enjoyed it. Someday I'm going to show you these pictures of me and Austin with these like locust shells all over because our backyard used to be full of them. And I haven't seen them. They, I don't know that they're around town as much as they they used to be. I I remember like literally we could just have hordes of little locust shells that were disgusting. I mean, it's like skin, you know, and you could crush it and it like makes a, it's kind of like, I won't say that. I was going to say it's like the consistency of like those little communion wafer crackers, but I don't want to ruin communion for you. Um, But you know, just like that styrofoam, like it crushes really easy. It makes that sound. All right, and so this is what this is what I was seeing uh, last night of what the Lord was doing. Um, that it, it was like He wants us to shed uh, some things that don't belong and and just leave that part there. And I don't. I was trying to think of a more pleasant thing that sheds, but snakes aren't more pleasant. There's not many like pleasant things that shed, but so you get the idea of like. Uh, breaking out of a, of a old mold that's holding you in and leaving that thing there and becoming something new. Maybe we should have talked about butterflies. That would have been. But the, the locust shell is what I got, okay? So I'm sharing what the picture that I saw of these locust shells. And I, I think that the way that the Lord is wanting to do this is that he's already begun. Because the beauty of the Holy Spirit is that he's in all of us working. So we don't have to have this huge climax 
uh, and, a, and a giant response to have this happen. But the fact of the matter is that the Holy Spirit's already messing with you, I believe. And as we continue to hang out for the next few minutes, I believe that it's just going to be kind of the, that, that's just going to be happening while we talk, okay? So just, just be aware that that's something that the Lord wants to do, is he kind of just wants to knock off uh, some, of that, some of that old stuff that just needs to be shed, some of its mindset, some of its, um, you know, whatever. He, he, he'll let you know. I don't have to do that job for him. All right. So now I just, I just love that about the Holy Spirit, that he's just always working in us and around us. Now, it wasn't always this way. The church, when it was birthed, became an empowered people. But believers before that, followers of God, they weren't, they weren't like really empowered Okay, so I want to just submit this to you because even think about the disciples. How many times have we said, if we could have just hung out with Jesus, we would have understood this. We might have more power. We might have it more together because we would have had Jesus in the flesh. But did you know that Jesus tells his disciples in his word, it's better for you that I leave because the one I'm sending is going to be far greater for you. And I think we have no concept of this because we don't know what it was like beforehand. If you've ever run into anybody um, who's kind of lived Old Covenant, I've had the, the privilege of being around some people who have lived there and tried to keep the laws and had that lifestyle. And just listening to them, I'm like, I have no idea. I have no concept of this, about how it was to serve God before Jesus came. It was, it was all about duty. It was all about performance. It was all about making sure you're keeping all of these things. And then when Jesus comes and pays the price, everything changes. So, but think about his disciples with him. Think about their experience with, with him. Specifically, um, like, it, like I'm thinking... You hung out with Jesus, you saw him do all the miracles, and then when they take him away, what did his disciples do? They ran. They all scattered. Peter denies him. Everyone else is just in hiding. Who knows where everybody else is? Peter's the only one that's out like going, I don't know who he is. Um, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't tell me that the, the disciples were just empowered from within. So you look at those moments. You look at when Jesus comes back and he's appearing to his disciples. Where are they? They're in, in, in a house in locked doors because they're scared. Jesus has been crucified. They're under persecution for being his followers. So they're just like locked up. Some of them are like, just go, we'll just go back to fishing, you know? <laughs> that didn't work out. Let's, let's go fish. But then when you see in Acts 2 which we've been reading over the past several weeks just on Sunday mornings, when, when Jesus shows up and sends the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, everything changes. Because, see, the disciples before had had powerful experiences with God, but they hadn't had empowering experiences until the day of Pentecost. They had spent time with Jesus. They saw the wounds in his hand and in his side. That had to be a powerful experience. But it did not empower them. And so I think that as believers, we're called to be a powerful presence in the world because we are an empowered people. 
Because ever since the day of Pentecost, God is for every person. He is empowering every person by his Holy Spirit. When you come to know him, there's an infilling in your spirit. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's an overflow inside of you. You are empowered to be Jesus to those people around you, whatever, whoever it might be. And so I think it's really interesting because then if you look at, um, let me pull up my Bible here. If it works, yes. Okay. If you look at um, the disciples before, when they're facing persecution, what are they doing? Hiding, running, scattering. All right. So now, after the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, they begin to stand up and preach. People are like, who is this guy? You know, Peter used to be like the biggest, you know, he like cut somebody's ear off. He's like a hothead or whatever. He's the one who just stands up and gives it. And so then what's happening is, is they face persecution again. And I don't know if you're familiar with this passage. It's, it's in Acts chapter 7. And this is the stoning of Stephen, who's one of Jesus' followers. And he's basically just stood up and, and told these, you know, all the Pharisees and everything, look, this is who Jesus is. This is what he did. This is what you did to him. And he's, he's the real deal. So he's telling them, the gospel, the good news. Now, when they heard these things, this is verse 54. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Okay, that alone uh, wasn't like just available for everybody before the Holy Spirit. See, now, all, uh, you know, because the Holy Spirit is in every believer, their, their eyes are open, their spirit is overflowing, they're able to see and he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And then they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. And then verse 8, it starts talking about how Saul approved of this execution. And, and all of a sudden, a great persecution rose against the church. And so everybody had to scatter for their safety. The difference in this time, in chapter 8, verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. All of a sudden, you have people who are facing the same kind of persecution. Someone just got stoned to death for preaching the gospel. But this time when they scatter, their mouths are not silent. They've been empowered to continue to live out and preach what needs to be preached. And I think that that's something that's really huge. And I, we don't even understand what persecution is here. Um, but we know that because the Holy Spirit is in us and has empowered us, that we can face anything, right? There's, there's not any struggle that we cannot make it through because God is for us. And if God is for us, then who can ever be against us? And so this is the kind of thing uh, that, I, that I think God is saying, look, we are an empowered people. We, because Jesus is in us, have the answer to every person's need. 
Does that make sense? Now, that's not to put a lot of pressure on us, like somehow we have to, you know, go around suddenly like I have the answer to everyone's problem. Not like that, but you do. Not you, but the Holy Spirit in you, working through you, empowering you to give you the word of knowledge, to give you discernment, to give you uh, a gift of healing, to give you whatever you need at the moment with whoever you're with. And I don't care if it's in Africa with people that you have nothing in common with. God can show up and give that person exactly what they need through John at the very moment they need it. It could be at VBS. I had the opportunity to hang out with a young man who, out of his craziness, busted his head open on this thing right here. And um, so while I was treating his head wound, it's bleeding everywhere, um, it was an amazing opportunity to minister to him. I prayed for him. I encouraged him. I, I listened to what was going on in his life. He's a kid that I've had a relationship with but haven't seen in a long time, and I was able to just love him. Do you know that's what Jesus looks like? That's not glorious. In fact, it was quite chaotic and gross, really. But in that moment, that young man just needed somebody to take care of his head wound. He didn't need me to preach at him. He needs somebody to clean his hair out and wipe his forehead and get him a Band-Aid and Neosporin. And that is the kind of thing, I think that sometimes we've made it too, too difficult as the church that the only people who are really being Jesus and really making a difference are people like John Poe who go to like the slums of Africa for three weeks to love on people. That's huge and that's awesome. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're not all going to be like that. We're not all called to just be preachers, but we are all called to be Jesus to people around us, whatever that looks like. And God has empowered you to do that. You, you don't have to work it up. It's not like hard work. It's, it's if you are a believer, you are already that. So plugging into to the Lord and saying, okay, what does that look like here? That might look like putting a Band-Aid on a knee. That might, like, think about what, what does Jesus look like? How do people know what Jesus looks like? Because of his church. Now, unfortunately, his church hasn't done a very good job of explaining or showing who he is. The church, you know, we're not, we're not called to be the ones full of condemnation and hate. That's not who we are. That's not who Jesus is. I've never once read anything about him where he just begins to condemn people. He's not happy with the Pharisees. But I've never once seen him just be hateful. He does everything out of love. And so we as his people, even in conflict, that does not mean that we don't confront people. That does not mean that there is no conflict in our lives. But even in confrontation, there should be total love and kindness from our side. Sometimes the most loving and kind thing you can do for someone is confront them, but it's doing it with the heart of Jesus rather than the heart of flesh of, I know what you should be doing, so let me just give it to you. Can I, I'm just going to take a little side note for a second. Um, I feel like, I feel like there's some people in here who, um, you're, you might be wrestling with like shame or condemnation, whether self-inflicted um, or others inflicted, like either, even, maybe even from the church. You, you feel just like, like you're being condemned or judged or like you're carrying around shame, whether it's from your past, whether it's from something you've done. And it could be your own 
self-inflicted shame. But can I tell you that that is a lie from the pit of hell? Shame and condemnation are not from Jesus. Your sickness is not, is not from Jesus. Some of you that in, in this place who feel like you're carrying around a physical burden because of something you've done, because you deserve it, that's a lie. Even if you deserve it, Jesus already paid for it, so you don't have to have it. Jesus is always on the side of wellness and healing. He is never on the side of suffering. He is never on the side of shaming someone. He is never on the side of insecurity. Jesus is for you. And so if that's you this morning, let that be your shell that you leave here. Leave that shame here. Don't take it with you. Don't wear that. Don't wear that old shell. Those are lies. I get so excited when I think about who God is. The worship today was just perfect. Because the name of Jesus has so much power in it. There is power in his name. And we, we are responsible to carry that name and give it and release it to other people. I heard a quote recently that said, when faced with disaster, it's not time to freak out. It's time to be like God. There's a hurting world who's facing all kinds of disaster. And if we get in and freak out with them, who's acting like Jesus? Because Jesus, his name, he He is the answer for every problem. He is the healer for every wound. He is the hope for every person's future. He is the fullness for every empty heart. He is the savior for everyone who's lost. He's the peace to every chaos. And he is coming back again. And we're going to be people that get to live that out and give it to people. You guys aren't excited enough in this place. Did you just not hear this? It is at his name that every knee will bow. His name is above every name. Every name. The name of cancer. The name of disease. The name of witchcraft. The name of Obama. He is higher It is his name that is above all the new age spiritism. His name is above fear. It is above money. It is above greed. It is above Allah. It is above every other God. That is the God that we serve. It is his name, the name of Jesus that is above every name. And do you understand? We get to represent his name. That is who we're called to be. We get to be him to people. The name that is above every other name. So why? Why do we make it so hard? If God is for us, then who could ever be against us? We are four square. We are, we are people who show Jesus as the Savior. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the soon coming king. No matter what life throws at us. This is, uh, if you're not aware, four square was founded by a woman named Amy Simple McPherson. And she was a firecracker. 
If you don't know about her, I'll get you a book about her. She was flaming. I'm telling you, she was cutting edge. She formed our denomination in the 30s, uh, in the middle of the Great Depression. Man, she, she was rocking it. Do you understand when, when the nation had to give up their feeding programs because of the Depression, Foursquare took that on, and they fed everyone who was on government feeding plans. If, if you go... If you go to L.A., they, they have these rooms in the Angelus Temple. They have a whole room full of crutches and wheelchairs and all kinds of things because people would just, the ambulances would stop at the church that she was preaching rather than going to the hospital so she could pray for people. They'd just be well. They didn't even have to go to the hospital. This, this is our heritage. This is who we are. And so this is, this is actually an, ex, uh, 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 an example from her. This is us. All right? So no matter what life throws at you, people should always see Jesus. So if you get kicked around, people see that Jesus is the healer. And, and it's not that we have to be perfect. Does that make sense? It's, it's not that. It's, it's that in our brokenness, they see Jesus is the healer. In our, in our hopelessness, they all of a sudden see Jesus is our hope. That he is our peace. So no matter what happens, there's an answer. Whatever side of you that anybody sees, they always just see Jesus. Ooh, sorry, John. I don't want to throw that at you. But I thought, how powerful is that, that if we could think that way? And live that way, just connected to him, just, just soaking in his presence. See, when trials come, that's not the time that we just need to press into Jesus. I mean, you do. But uh, we live our lives kind of in the way that, like, when it finally gets hard, then we just, like, run to him and we're desperate for him and all of those things. And that, that's good. But the way it should work is that we're pressing into him. And then when trials come, his word defends us. He defends us. And no matter what's exposed, in, in our exposure, people always see Jesus. Just at every angle. And they might just see a different facet of him. And there's plenty to be discovered about him. Amen? So many different aspects. It is his name that is above every name. It is his name who, that we represent. And, and I think I've... I've recently just been, um, just been messed with that sometimes we just make this Christianity thing too hard. You know, I've been, sometimes we just wait for the powerful experience and forget that we've already been empowered. We already are empowered people. And that doesn't mean that powerful experiences aren't important or even needed sometimes. I've had plenty where the Lord just but I've already been empowered by him when I said yes to him and he filled me with the Holy Spirit. And so I, I challenge you this week to, to keep this illustration in your mind, to say, you know what, as a church, this is who we are. This is who God's calling us to be. It's Jesus. That's it. And I believe that he's going to continue to release unique opportunities of how we get to be Jesus. 
but we can't despise small things because it might be the small things that make the way for someone to come into the kingdom. It might just be um, the kindness to your Albertsons checkout guy. Last week, I'm, I'm in a hurry, okay? I'm getting stuff for VBS. I just need to get in the store and out of the store. And I'm in line, and my, my checker's there, and, and I, just felt like the, I, I just felt like I needed to, instead of just like standing there silently like I wanted to, building up my energy for the day, I just said, hey, how's it going? Oh, it's all right. Thank you for checking me out today. I'm glad that you're serving me. You know, and he was like, oh, okay. Well, thanks, you know. You know, hey, when do you get off? You know, those kind of things, sometimes those little things of just being kind to people, kindness is a real rarity in our culture. Have you noticed this? Anybody you talk to on the phone, the people who knock on your door, the people in the grocery store, and it's really easy to just join them in unkindness because if you're going to be unkind to me, I'm just going to be silent. I'm going to try not to look at you mean, but, like, let's just move on with our day. So what would happen if just us in this room said, no matter where we go this week, we're going to choose kindness first. That makes a difference to people. Kindness makes a difference to, your, to, the, to the clerks that are checking you out. It doesn't mean that you have to walk up and they're checking out your groceries and you're like, hey, do you know Jesus? You know? I know some of you are evangelists out here. I know that might be your style, okay? And that's good if God is telling you to do that. At the grocery store, that doesn't, you don't have to call an altar call in the produce section, although that has happened at the Odessa HEB. The people slain in the spirit all over the produce section. If God's telling you to do that, please do it. But he might just be telling you to let that lady in that has three children who's just trying to get to the bananas and she can't reach them. Do you understand that that's what Jesus is? Jesus in the small things? Go home, read Acts, read about the first church, read the Gospels, see what Jesus was doing. Jesus is loving on the little kids, you know, his disciples are like, come on, can you move on from these kids? And Jesus is going, no, this is important. So showing up to VBS with 75 crazy children for five nights in a row, while you wonder if you signed some insanity document, why you said yes to me. That was being Jesus, whether it was holding the child's hand, whether it was fixing their snack for them, making sure they went home safely. All of those things, we got to pray with 22 of them, lead them to Jesus. All of that is necessary. That is who we're called to be. And I, in recent months, I've just been like, crying out to God. Okay, God, I'm waiting for this huge vision. Do you ever do this, or is this just me? I hope you do it too, so that I'm not like totally making a fool of myself. You know, I'm just like going, okay, God, I know that you have this huge key, and you're about ready to just give it to us. It's going to lock, unlock everything. I'm waiting for that vision, God. If we just do this, thing, then you're gonna, then we're gonna figure out who we are, because God, who are we? And sometimes I'm wondering if God is just like, what has my church come to? 
<laughs> I don't think he does. But I, I think that I was kind of put back in my place where those things are good, but the Lord is going, what do you mean? Who are you? Have you not read my word? Do you not see what it says about who you are? Just be that. How about you just work on those things as the church? And, and then uh, those great things will just fall into place. Because maybe I just need to remember that I am the workmanship of God. Maybe I just need to remember that I am a co-heir with Christ and seated in heavenly realms. Maybe I need to remember that I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit and every good thing is available to me at every time. Maybe I just need to remember those little fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Lord knows I need a lot more of those in my life. That's who we are. That's who we're called to be. So why am I running around asking the Lord for a big, huge revelation and vision about who we're called to be when it's already right here? It's right here. So let's get in our words. Let's see what, let, let's see what the Bible says about who we are and really be it. Like, let's really believe that that's who we are instead of just saying, oh, yeah, I'm a masterpiece created Christ Jesus, and he set up these good works for me. We can, how many of you encourage people with scriptures like that? They need something, and you go ahead and tell them, and you're like, I don't even believe that for myself, if I'm really honest, you know? Do you, do you understand that it, in, in the spirit, you're seated in heavenly realms? Do we understand that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights and is available to us at any time we need it? Do we want to see healings? We might have to pray for some sick people. No healing ministry ever got started because somebody studied about healing and read about healing. It started because somebody laid their hand on a sick person and prayed for him and God showed up. If we want to be like that, then we've got to get out. We just have to begin to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That might mean that when you pray, you know, I prayed for somebody recently. I'm like, hey, is it better? No. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to keep praying. But you know what? I'm not going to see healing if I don't pray. 100% of the time, no one's going to get healed if I don't pray for them. I don't want those odds. I want to, I want to be able to go out and risk it. I want to be able to just say, okay, Jesus, this is who you say we are. Let's try it. I'm just going to begin to quote some of these things to myself every morning when I get up. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am a co-heir with him. I am, I am the, the daughter of the king. God's loved me so much that he's called me his child. If we begin to get these things down, I feel like we'll be who we're supposed to be. Does that make sense? So, I trust that God maybe has just been messing with you since we've started. And let's remember to just be the, the four-square person who gives Jesus at every opportunity maybe just a different facet of who he is. As we go out this week, coming days, you go back to your workplace, as lovely as it might be for some of you, you get to be Jesus there. And there's people in your workplace who need to see him.
They need to see the Savior. They need to see the healer. They need to see the fullness of God. They need the hope that this isn't the end. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you're already in us, working through us, that we don't just have to have a powerful experience, but Lord, we've already had an empowering experience. And you've empowered us to be your hands and feet, to be your mouth. And so, Lord, we just say, okay, God, let us just be that. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be worked up. But, Lord, would you just be at the forefront of our minds? Would you gently, by your Holy Spirit, just open our eyes to the opportunities that are around us? Whether it's bandaging a scraped knee or leading somebody into your kingdom, we want to be available We don't want to be too busy or too grumpy or too unkind. We just want to be what you are. We just want to have your character. Refresh us by your word and by your spirit and give us us just strength as we walk out our days that we would be able to stand strong for you and just be you to the people around us in big ways in small ways and in every way, at every turn, no matter what we face, may you be the one who's exposed in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you're free to go.